Welcome to Between the Covers, the show for readers and writers and lovers of books. I'm Stephanie, and I'm a publisher at Red Penguin Books, where we publish books of all types and genres. So whether you have a book in your head, a manuscript on your computer ready to go, or even 300 sheets of loose leaf shoved in a drawer, and yes, at least once a month, I do get an envelope filled with loose leaf. That's still happening. Uh, visit us at redpenguinbooks.com and unleash your inner author. I am so excited today to be joined by three authors. They've unleashed themselves over and over again. That's for sure. Uh, with multiple books. M.M. DeVoe is the author of A Flash of Darkness, which is her collection of short stories. And there's plenty more as well. Um, Maureen McNeil is the author of Anna Magdalena, and Rob Grinstaff is an editor who I met in publishing Launchpad, The Countdown to Publishing Your Book. But we'll first meet M.M. DeVoe, and our author writes of A Flash of Darkness. The dark, challenging stories of A Flash of Darkness represent some of M.M. DeVoe's best stories, written from 2005 to the present. DeVoe juggles literary fiction with fables, science fiction with horror, pagan satire with the fantastical. But what shines through is intelligence and daring. She leaves you wondering what is real and what is unreal. Dive into the haunted atmosphere of shudder, lingering on the outskirts of horror past or horror be. Tastemakers satirizes a modern obsession with life as performance art. The mayor of Flashback is pure literary fiction that intertwines memories of 9-11 in Manhattan and the elastic bonds of marriage. Hake is a frightening peek into a domestic world where keeping an eye on the children may not necessarily be for their safety. A Rose delivers a knockout punch of shifting fables and narrators that shows in a single story what this author's imagination can accomplish. M.M. DeVoe is also the founder of the literary nonprofit Pen Parentis, a process described in her memoir, Productivity Guidebook for Writers Who Are Parents, Book and Baby. I'm so delighted to introduce you to author M.M. DeVoe. Thanks for yeah, joining me. Thank you. And thanks Thank for you. again. This is a really good reason why you love your editor because they write this stuff and you're like, wow. Wow, I want to meet that person. Yeah, like my, that's my, that's, so my acquiring funny. editor wrote that. I'm like, wow. Wow, they did a great job. And not only did I want to meet you, but now everybody wants to read that book because I hope so. that was fabulous. Well, last time you were here, you and I were talking about book and baby. So this is very, the total like, 180. <laughs> yeah, no, like totally different than Book and Baby. I think when we filmed, you were wearing like a pastel shirt and we had like, <laughs> oh, yeah, like, no, it was up and all. Now I'm like, look at me. This is who I really am. Right. And we were talking about pen parentis and, you know, moms and, and parents writing books. And this is a totally different look for you here. Thank you. Yes, it is true. It's a different look and it's a different part of me. I mean, I, you know, I run this nonprofit. I have to write grants, I have to do Excel spreadsheets. And that's not very fun. It's not very creative. <laughs> I just, I like talking to the authors and I love inspiring people and getting them back on creative track. That's really, honestly, that's why I do it because the spreadsheets is not my, 
<laughs> but but you know like it's kind of fun because it's like you know like hair club for men like now I'm I'm like not only did I start this but I'm also a member like I did finally finish and create and release into the world an actual fiction collection that is representative of my own work that as a creative human being which is like look and say it works it takes a little bit of time if you're actually running the organization but <laughs> but it does work Yes, yes. How does it feel that it's done, that it's out there? It's very weird. I spent all day today planning the book launch party and it's already launched. Like the book came out in April and I'm like, okay, I I actually have to write, I have to throw a party. Like (laughs) (laughs) it's going to be fun. It's going to have like really cool things. Oh, I like that. And I'm all for party, whether the book has been out you know, a day, a week, or, you know, five years later, have a party. party. Um, I actually find people are having the party now because lots of books got launched during COVID. That's true. Yeah. It's kind of like all those delayed weddings and such. No, mine got launched on tax day, which (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what the point of that was, but you know, it just, and, and it was great. It was fine. But like, I I couldn't throw a party because I was busy. (laughs) Things to do. And all my people had things to do. So. Yeah, next time you have a book, let's think about that launch day before you. Right. I I am super excited to hear Rob talk about this because I had no, I had very little say on, like I did ask for it to be delayed by a month. Okay. Even, But right now in this age of being able to release a book with a small publisher almost immediately right. upon its completion, like it, it doesn't give any time for the publicity, for the, for this, for the, like com- commenting on it and getting people excited about it. Right. It, it's just out. And you're like, Oh, Oh, it's out. What do I do? Quick scramble. Yeah. Like <laughs> where's, where's the and, and it's very, very hard because like, I can't, um, there are, there are things that are closed to me because it's already out. Um, some mm-hmm. of the prizes are actually or right, not prizes, right. but the reviews, a lot of the reviews are actually closed to me. So I, yeah, I'm very lucky yeah. because people who are reading it, people who are reading it, they're, they're sending me these emails that are like, oh, I love this story. This is the best, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, could you put that on Amazon? <laughs> <laughs> so bad. But I'm like, thank you for your email. Here's a link. <laughs> well, next time, just because you can release fast doesn't necessarily mean you have to. You know that. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> I know, I know. But it's, I mean, there's something really cool about releasing fast too. You're just like, I could do it. I could do it tomorrow. Let's do it tomorrow. Hey, what the heck? You know? Yeah. And I totally get that. I totally get that. So tell us a little bit about the difference between, because you've written, like, these are short stories. And that's yes. a totally different process. I mean, yes. was that their curation? Is there a cutting room floor? Is there a flow that you're thinking about? Like, Bring, bring me yeah, into so, I loved so reading this your is a real collection. I'm so sorry to interrupt. The, nope. This is this is a true and honest dream come true collection. Like this is the kind of thing that people dream about happening. I published with a very small literary magazine that was very lovely and and they published one story and they really the editor really liked it. And so then a, a little bit later she said, hey, I have this story collection. Do you want to submit something to this anthology, right? An anthology, and it's about this theme. And I said, oh, sure, sure. So I sent her a story. She's like, oh, I love the story. And then she had another call for this literary journal. It was like, I want you to send something. And I was like, but wait, I've already been published twice. By, are you sure? You know, she's like, no, no, I really like your work. And I'm like, okay. So I sent her another story, which got published. And then her partner 
also released a, a, uh, an anthology, a themed anthology, and asked me for my story. So I had been I had been published four times by them, and they they nominated me for a push card. I'm like, wow! And they said they they started this uh, series called Bold New Voices, where they were looking for authors that had uh, not published a novel, but had significant publication in short fiction. And I happen to have, because I have kids and I'm running a nonprofit, a lot of short fiction published and no novels. And so, and I work very hard on my short fiction, but because I don't have as much, you know, time to. Right. to no, I get so, that. But, um, but a lot of my short fiction has won awards or been published in very cool places. And, and they said, like, what do you have? And I'm like, well, I have this. And I sent off this story collection that I had put together to long, you know, for, for like a, contest once and they were like oh that's very literary I, it's beautiful but it's not what we published <laughs> I was like what <laughs> you asked me for something and I had it right um, and they said no 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 I want your weird fiction like I want your strangest most out there like crazy off the wall stuff and I was like well I do have some of that and they're <laughs> like bring it and so I just sort of went through my hard drive and like all the things that were bizarre that I couldn't that I had trouble placing that were like everybody was like oh that's too literate no that's too genre it's too in the middle it doesn't fit any like niche it's like it's all over I sent it all to them and they're like this is perfect I love it it's perfect and they put it in order and they did everything and they wrote the preview and then they I was like what so it really, really was amazing. And I have to tell you that the responses that I'm getting from like all these plays, it's so cool because everybody finds it surprising because it's a little bit in their genre. Like I have a poet read it and she's like, I've never read anything like this. She's like, it, she was so excited. She's like, I love this. It's surprising. I never read fiction because it's always predictable. And this is so surprising. And I was like, yay, you know, and, and then yeah, like, exactly. like and my literary people are like, wait, this this reminds me of Kafka. And I'm like, yes, that's right. It is like Kafka. Like it's not normal literary fiction, but it <laughs> certainly doesn't, it doesn't fit the exact like, you know, prescribed things that genre fiction is supposed to do to be like perfectly satisfying genre. Like, the, you know, the horror, the monster, the monster gets, you know, like it's, it's not my my style is to mush it all up i know you're all over entertain you <laughs> <laughs> well i first got to meet you because you're actually in one of our anthologies as yes. well you're at well, you're, you're in two of our anthologies because you were in our fairy tale anthology and then you were in the the best of that yeah. You know, uh, every every 20 or so anthologies, we put out a best of and glean the top stories. So there you are. And that's how we first met. So yeah, that was really I cool. know your short fiction. That's really <laughs> I'm yeah. so glad it was all contained finally in. Well, not all because I'm not sure all. you're driving <laughs> 10,000 yeah. other things. I have so many things. I have so many irons in the fire. It's just crazy. But yeah. it's good. Like, it, I, you know, I'm not bored. Absolutely. Now, I know from our little chat before we started rolling the cameras that you are on a college tour with your youngest. Yeah, I am. But does yeah, that mean you're going to have time for a novel now? Or is that not even something you want? Well, she has to get in. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Like, it would be nice. Although, I suspect what's going to happen is that my 
kid who's now graduating from college is going to come back home. That's kind of what happens, by the way. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. It's like a revolving door. That's what Mm -hmm. happens to your house. It just becomes a revolving door. And yeah, you might never get to that novel. Never say that. That's not going to happen somehow. I'll push through. (laughs) <laughs> well, if you were going to do it, because genre wise, you are not a one genre writer. Thank you for saying that. I agree with you. And I actually love that about my writing. Like I, I do too. When I was in school, it was a problem because people needed to know, like, know your voice. But now that I know, like I can say Kafka and people get it. They know what that is. And if I say femme Kafka, then they really know what that is. It's like domestic Kafka, <laughs> like women's version of Kafka. And it, it makes it like, oh, I understand what that. But it took me like it took another reader reading all my stuff to have to hone that phrase. Like just like what you all that stuff that you read, like I would never have thought to write all that down. And that's why we have an editor on our show today, too. It's so good. (laughs) That's why we have an editor, because they're so good at that kind of stuff. But but I love that you're not putting yourself in a hole. And I'm almost a little bit nervous if you do have time for that novel. Like, what is it going to be? I know. Yeah, I I have a feeling it's going to straddle like three different things. And when you do go to publish, your biggest decision is going to be what the heck category is this? Yes, that's always my problem. Like, you know, they're like, click the genres. Like, here's your five choices. I know. Pick one. (laughs) And what's so funny with that is, you know, in reality, um, there's like 10,000 categories. They only show you on that screen, like, not even half of them. So you're like guessing blindly. And then all of a sudden you look at your book one day, I don't know if this has happened to you yet. And you say, oh, that's what category they put me in. Cause they'll put you in a category you didn't pick. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes you're happy about that. And sometimes you're kind of like, well, I don't see that, but sure. <laughs> no, and it's true. And you don't, when you're dealing with the covers and like what's going to go on them, you don't always have the review that you're like, oh, that, you know, that phrase, if only I'd known that phrase, you know, like, like the Kafka thing is not anywhere in, in or on the book. It's, it's in the reviews on Amazon, but it's like, oh, that, that nails it. Like, yes, you got it. You know, well, maybe you'll have to revise the cover so you could add yeah, that right. to the version two with the cover with a different quote. Exactly. <laughs> I love the quotes that I got. I really do actually love the quotes that are on there anyway, but it's still like, I don't know. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about your front cover? Oh yeah, sure. So the editor did this and okay. she loves, she's, she designs her own books. So Florida Books is run by a, a woman who, likes to design her books and she likes them to really stand out and be very so there this book is like totally different from you know the other books that are currently being published and, and like, not, like everybody else has a book that's pastel with like a bold like color title like they all look at you know kind of the same this one if you put it next to them it's like very different <laughs> what is this but um but what's fun about it so the 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 cherries and the fly are in the story that the title is okay like like the phrase a flash of darkness is a phrase in Mm -hmm. one of the stories and the story is still life uh still life with cherries summers i can't remember the title of it now sorry (laughs) but it's still life with summer cherries that's what it's called and um and still life with summer cherries has flies and cherries 
Gotcha. It's a tablecloth, that black and white tablecloth. But a different story has a chessboard in it. So I think she just liked that black and white uh, chessboard. And then that black and white and red, I think, is just her. Uh, she likes that kind of uh, color schemes. Like it's her palette, her palette. Okay. So, so yeah. our readers out there, you're going to have to buy the book. You're going to have Please to do. read the book just so you <laughs> understand what the heck the cover means. There's that. <laughs> And and once you do the deep dive and absolutely fall in love with this writer, um, you'll pick up book and baby and say, what? Just find <laughs> out about my life. You'll be like, wow, now I get it. <laughs> right, right. No, that's very, very cool. And then and then they're going to be going to your your salons and your reads and all sorts of things. A lot Give me a little bit about that, too, because I love that. Sure. So I do uh, co-host monthly literary salons in which we gather together writers that have kids that have made it like successful writers that have kids. And we just we talk about their books and we interview them about their craft and what they do. But we always also talk about like, you know, how did how did you manage to actually finish something? You know, like <laughs> and it's really interesting because these are established writers like we just finished one. Um, we actually we have them all on YouTube now. You can just go and listen. It's on uh, it's on YouTube slash Pen Parentis P E N P A R E N T I S, and they're all there. And it's it's like really famous. Like we just had uh, Marcy Dermansky and Kevin Chong, who was just interviewed. He literally had a piece come out in Time Magazine the day before our salon. Wow. And yeah, and and he's written. It's like his eighth novel. He lives in Vancouver, and we had David Mura who is like on every talk show all the time talking about sexuality and also talking about race. And he's, so he has a new book out um, called like the stories that whiteness tells. Uh, are, yeah. And um, so very interesting. And Marcy is an amazing novelist. If you haven't read her books, I highly recommend them. They are a quick read. They are so moving and crazy. And her newest book is called hurricane girl. Um, and so we just interviewed them and like, it's about an hour and it's like this on a zoom and right. uh, so so fun and if you go live you get to actually talk to us that's like and that's really oh i'm good. so excited that they're available on a youtube channel now yeah yeah we have one coming up in june june 13th that's on collaborations so we have three sets of two people that are working together on something and so there's a husband and wife team who individually write poetry but co-edit each other there is a couple that is uh, not a couple, but a, um, a ghost writer and her and the memoir writer. So there's a memoir writer and then there's a ghost writer. But then the ghost writer was really very talented and really put a huge amount of effort into the book. And actually now she has a billing sort of on wow. the book. And and so it's about their partnership and how that evolved and all this stuff. And they both have little kids and like trying to co-write something with kids it's madness. And then, and then the third is uh, Ethelbert Miller. He's a really, really famous poet and, and think, thinker. And he and um, Miho, uh, uh, anyway, he, he has co-written a book as well with, you know, and like a traditional, we are partners, right, right. we are co-writing serious things kind of way. Well, please yeah, come, make sure you come share listen. that with you. Yes, yes. Share the link so that I can shoot it out to all of our audiences. Well. I will for sure. I would love that. You know, it's funny. I'm always looking for, for kind of connections between our guests and i was loving that um a flash of darkness one of the short stories has to do with someone who is involved in um 
performance art. Well, oh. our next book is all about performance art, and I adore that. Um, Maureen McNeil is the author of Anna Magdalena, and performance artist Anna Magdalena splays her audience open and leaves them begging for more. More life, more freedom, more imagination by redefining family, history, myth, time, and identity she prompts readers to take action and forge a life of extraordinary beauty. Anna Magdalena is a contemporary novel about the power of art, love, and imagination in its many forms. Reed Bordeaux, a 40-year-old Seattle plumber married to Sergeant Becky Smith, but smitten with Anna Magdalena, a New York City performance artist who retreated to Willapa a forgotten Victorian town on the Washington coast. With a snap of her fingers, they land in the New York art world with her acquired family. Saxton, her ex-lover, Lulu, his mother, and Lulu's partner, Kermit Fleur, an old master art dealer who takes Reed under his wing. Honey Deborn and her son Frank, Reed's prickly neighbor in Willapa, drive the story with mischief, mystery, and good fortune, even after their death but Sergeant Becky Smith has some tricks of her own. While Anna Magdalena provokes audiences with disappearing acts, vows, secrets, and outrageous art pieces that take on New York City rooftops and beds, Becky pulls a fast one. The whole family rallies around Reed and he is awed as Mag Anna Magdalena clicks her heels. So excited to introduce author Maureen McNeil. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's great oh, to be here. And, and I, I was floored when I was uh, reading one of the short story descriptions and it had performance art. I said, oh, we have a performance <laughs> art book coming up. <laughs> I love yeah. that. I love that. Uh, before we dive in, though, could you please tell me, uh, tell us all a little bit about the art you're sitting in front of? Oh, this? Yes. Um, I am a textile artist. I, I write for about four or five hours a day, and then I work on textile for about four or five hours a day. I'm very lucky to, at this point in my life, be able to do that. So, Absolutely. yeah, I have, I just had my first solo show in Red Hook, Brooklyn. Uh, it's up for another few weeks, and it's, it's been great there. And like most of them are like tapestries, nine feet by nine feet, and they're all hand sewn. So, it's very meditative. The, the stitch is very much like putting a sentence together, you know, uh, and um, I I do a lot of my thinking while I'm hand sewing, I, <laughs> thinking I for my that. books. I love that, writing and and, and textiles. Uh, let me just, for anyone who is seeing this, uh, the show in uh, New York is going on until May 28th. So you'll definitely want to grab this and I'm going to put this um, and links to your show. I just wanted to show off some of the beautiful pictures here. I am definitely going to put links to this when this show is airing. So people can, anyone in Red Hood of Brooklyn or in the tri-state area, you'll definitely want to catch this. Thank so, you. Thank you. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about Anna Magdalena. I mean, I was drawn in from the first words when I read about her. Yeah. And performance well, art, that was just an amazing thing. It started as a short story with Reed, the ma male character in the in the story. And I was at an NYU um, writing workshop and somebody said, I wanna see him come to New York. What's gonna happen to him in New York? And so I took about 10 years because I was raising kids and working in nonprofits and 
Um, and I, I was the director of the Lee Strasberg Theater and Film Institute for many years. And so I, and I wrote a book, I wrote uh, Marilyn Monroe's diary, a fictional diary, because um, I felt like she needed a rewrite. So uh, I hadn't written and gotten very close to Marilyn Monroe. I wouldn't have been able to come up with Anna Magdalena, but um, her name comes from Anna Magdalena Bach, who was, who's an uns unsung artist. And, um, and uh, so the two of them fell in love and I just wanted to see what would happen. And so it's a, it's a great love story. And it's all about Reedy or Reed becoming, um, letting go of his um, uh, old fashioned ideas about what it is to be a man and what it is to, you know, art changes him completely. And it's through Anna Magdalena that that happens. Oh, I love so. that. And I love what you just said. You wrote this because you wanted to know what happens. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, that was just such a great statement because, you know, I think that people think that writers, novelists have this whole plotted out thing and then mm -hmm. they just kind of take dictation from the world and, and type it down. And I loved the way you said that you yourself wanted to know what happens. Right. I mean, even as a young, uh, you know, I decided to be a writer at age like nine and I, I just started writing down my questions like, how am I going to be me? You know, it was during one of those girl crises, you know, like the, the mean girl clicks. How am I going to be me? How am I going to be strong? How am I going to lift myself up? And, you know, those are always still the questions I'm asking. How are we going to be better, be authentic? Um, and so. Oh, it's a big concern. A lot of my my jobs that I've had in nonprofit and elsewhere really play into my settings and characters. And so I really draw on my own life um, for that kind of innate, those innate skills that come through, you know, with imagination and sense, the five senses and the memories and uh, and emotions. That's kind of how I judge if it's authentic. One thing I was captivated in Anna Magdalena were the actual art pieces. It's performance art. And a lot of people might not even realize what that means if you've never seen performance art. Um, it's not like a painting that we're hanging on a wall. It's like an action that is the art. I don't know if that's a, a good definition of it. Um, but if, if someone's never seen it, they will probably be reading and say, what is going on? But I was amazed that you were thinking up these things. So tell me a little yeah. bit about the art in there, which was so cool. Well, you know, at Lee Strasberg, I saw a ton of theater and I, I interviewed thousands of students, you know, from all over the world who wanted to study there. And so I, I understood, I came to understand the importance of drama and thinking outside the box. And um, so I, I, uh, a lot of these things I've thought up, you know, and I, I do other projects along the way, like I make cloth books. So I retell, you know, King Lear's story, you know, in in seven steps or in seven pages or, or in 14 lines, you know. So I, I do try and condense things, switch things up, make them relevant today, things that we already know. So, you know, I look back in history for a lot of that to come up with examples. And, and uh, you are also, in addition to a novelist, you 
dip your toe quite a bit into short stories. Tell me a little bit about the difference between writing for short form as opposed to a novel. Yeah, um, yeah, I just I just did a reading from Red Hook Stories because I was down there doing the other exhibit and I got asked, this came out in 2008. And these are little neighborhood stories and they're a great way to hone your skills. Even when I'm writing a novel, I'll take a section of it and turn it into a short story just to like explore deeper, you know, what happens. And then I, I'll use a lot of it, put it back into the novel. Um, and, and also a novel takes so long, you don't want to not publish anything while you're writing a novel. So you, you want to be able to submit work. And so it's it's a great way to stay out there in the um, in the public and have have an audience, own an audience, be an audience. Exactly. Well, what and, is and get your awards? <laughs> yes, you need to promote your book. Awards. More and more awards is always good. That's for sure. So you've got your art exhibit going on right now. You've got another uh, another novel or short story in the can. What's going on with your? Writing? Oh well, I just finished the prequel to Anna Magdalena. So it's Anna Magdalena growing up in Woodstock in the nineteen nineties. Ooh. Um, called Tinker Street and it's such it was such a joy to write because I knew her you know in her when she's like 40 and now I, I get to know her when she's starting like at 15 15 to like uh 18 19 wow. and her transition into New York City as, as a performance getting into performance and how she did that wow. so that's that's been I really I so love the way you talk about characters that you're so excited to get to to know them as a young woman and and just you know really it's so personal and it's such an an, an evolving process it's not you know all at once you're writing to get to meet them which is so yeah at a certain point you have to hand the story over to them you mm -hmm. know you really have to step back and they tell the story um you know you you're guiding and listening but um, it, I think that that's part of the thrill of, of being a writer. I love is, that. And you learn from them, you know, you, you yeah. have the experiences that they have. That's fantastic. Well, for uh, our readers and art lovers out there, uh, certainly Anna Magdalena, and you better grab it quick because then we're gonna get to meet her as a younger person coming up. Uh, our next author, I was fortunate enough to meet uh, in the publication of this book, Launchpad, the countdown to publishing your book, uh, just released uh, a couple of weeks ago. And Rob Grinstaff, as an editor, was uh, one of our top contributors to this book so that we can get a key in on what editors do in the whole publication process. But Rob himself is an author. So besides being an editor, he's a Southern contemporary writer, an award-winning novelist, and another short story author. So we are here, uh, <laughs> kings of uh, short fiction here. And um, Hannah's voice, Carry Me Away, and Turning Trixie are three of his books. So whether you're looking for learning more about writing, help with your own novel or reading a novel, Rob Grinstaff, author and editor. So I'm so excited to have Rob here. Thanks for joining me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Absolutely. Oh, and the, there's that. The New York crowd. <laughs> well, you know, I, I I said out loud, you know, oh, Southern contemporary fiction, and you open your mouth. So it was just so. Yeah, that's all it takes. I've uh, 
lived in lots of different places, but my roots are in the South. Uh, I always say I'm as comfortable in Tuna, Texas, as I am in Tokyo, where I lived for five years. So. You lived in Tokyo for five years? Yeah, I never learned to speak Japanese. It just doesn't go with the Texas accent. So. What, what brought you to Tokyo for five years? Uh, the journalism world. I was in, uh, worked in the newspaper business um, for about 40 years and took a job with the Stars and Stripes which is a daily newspaper published for the U.S. military and their families that are stationed abroad. And so I got to spend five years in um, Tokyo and travel all over Asia. Uh, also got to live a few years in uh, Washington, D.C., lived there eight years. I was probably about two years too long. So. <laughs> but I grew up in small towns in the South. So, and, and that's where you've returned to now. Where are you now? Uh, it's, town is called Osage Beach, uh, Missouri, uh, Lake of the Ozarks. And yes, there is a, a pub right down the street from me called Marty Birds. If anybody watched the Ozarks, they'll be familiar with that. Oh, okay. Oh, so you're those Ozarks. <laughs> those Ozarks. Gotcha. Well, talk to us a little bit about your books first, and then we're going to talk about editing. So uh, your okay. series and... Uh, have us dive in there. Thank you. All right. Uh, we'll start where everybody has short stories. Um, here is, you can see that, June Bug oh, Got yeah. it. Tales from the South. Uh, it's a collection of 18 short stories, uh, most of which were written and previously published over the last 12 years, I believe. Uh, and then a couple of new stories uh, that, that were added in and uh, my publisher decided they wanted to uh, put out that collection last year, came out last May. So it's coming up on its one year anniversary. And we put it out at about the same time as a novel uh, that was released uh, also last May, a uh, novel is Slade. And so, you know, just kind of get the short stories and the novel out there at the same time. And then seven months later, another uh, novel, Turning Trixie, launched. Wow. Uh, we were about, yeah, we were, uh, MM was talking earlier about timing. Uh, I don't recommend that. It was just kind of happenstance. Uh, but, yeah, it it kind of all gets lost in a blur when you've got too many things coming out at once. Um, so I'm looking forward to the next uh, Launchpad book on marketing because I really need to read that one. Uh, so, we yeah. all need to read that one. Yeah. And, and then you'll probably have to rewrite it a year from now because everything in marketing is constantly changing, right? Well, that's what I said. You know, the, the, the Launchpad series, the, the first book is about writing. And with all due respect, that is going to be fairly evergreen. Um, the yeah. book on publishing, I gave it, you know, maybe two years of a shelf life before <laughs> everything in there was was false. The book on marketing, I give it six months to a year. Yeah, yeah. But in the short story, I really relate to MM on this one, on the short stories. My genres on short stories are all over the place. Um, oh, wow. You know, and there's some bizarre stories. There's one outright horror story. The only true horror story I've ever written is probably the most successful short story I've ever written. Um, so everybody said, you should write more of those. I'm like, no, I wrote that one on a dare from a friend who is a you know, fairly well-known horror writer. 
uh, and it, it turned out really well, but it's, you know, it's not what I do, but there's some weirdness that Southern Gothic, uh, all the stories are either set in the South or surrounding Southerners or not, you know, some of them are, are set elsewhere, but, you know, that's now, one of the things, you... finding your voice, it takes years, and I think that's my voice. Absolutely. Now, tell me about your editing. Um, not all writers, of course, are editors. Uh, that's uh, an interesting bridge there. And, and how did you bridge that? Um, well, I support my writing habit through editing. Um, <laughs> so um, it was from my years in journalism. Um, as a reporter, an editor, uh, went into management and the business side, came back as a publisher. Um, and wound up as executive editor uh, for Stars and Stripes newspaper for several years. Um, so, you know, that was my background. I always knew I wanted to be a fiction writer. Um, one of the, you know, when you're a teenager, you don't make a lot of good decisions. Uh, I made one really good decision when I was 16 years old. I was getting ready to go off to college and major in, in English so I could become a writer. And at the last minute, I added journalism as a second major so that I could get a day job for a couple of years until I became a rich and famous author, wrote the great American novel. Um, I retired from the newspaper business 40 years later. So that was you know, probably the best decision 16-year-old me ever made. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I've always wanted to write. Um, I think Maureen mentioned nine years old. I was somewhere right around there. I knew that's what I wanted to do. And so I've been writing and then you know career takes over you get married you have kids and a mortgage and it you know I kept writing I would write short stories now and then never went anywhere I'd start a novel occasionally nothing happened it would, wouldn't go anywhere and then about 20 20 some years ago uh, a character showed up in my head and she wouldn't shut up um, <laughs> so I had to write down her story as she told it to me to find out what happened because I didn't know. And so that turned into my first novel written, which I rewrote, revised numerous times and uh, hired an editor and joined writer groups and, you know, did all the things, uh, read lots of books on the craft of writing. Um, and then while writing the second novel, after having finished the second novel, um, I kind of was helping out some other writers and found that I had a knack for merging my newspaper background with my, you know, at that point, probably 10 years of in-depth study and practice of writing fiction. And it just, it worked. Uh, and so I just started helping out some friends who were authors. Uh, they recommended me to somebody else. And I said, well, if I don't know you, I'm going to charge. <laughs> and, uh, and it just took off from there. I've been editing for 15 years. I've edited about 200 novels, a uh, variety of genres. Uh, some are, you know, agented, traditionally published uh, authors. Uh, some are uh, independent, uh, public, independently published authors, including a couple who have made the New York Times bestselling list as an independent author. Um, so, uh, and, you know, one, one of those was my, my most uh, prolific client, and I lost it. I lost him when um, he got so prolific and was selling so many books, uh, an agent and a publishing company 
uh, picked him up and he's in negotiations with I don't know, Netflix or somebody now. So, wow. you know, so I helped him out early in his career. And then he, he took it and ran with it from there. So he always had great stories. Uh, so it was really fun to, to be his editor. Well, he was able to run with it because of you. So you better, you better get a byline on the Netflix. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. well, I think he was already running. He was at least jogging before we ever met. So hopefully <laughs> I helped you a little bit. Yeah, well, you, you, you were the, you know, push over there. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, as, as an editor, I do, you know, finished novels, but, you know, at, the author needs to have edited uh, line edits or developmental edits or whatever it is they need. Um, I do writing coach for those that are in the process of writing a novel and just need some guidance and feedback during the process. And well, you give really us a little it. bit about what that difference is between a line edit and a developmental edit and who might want either one of those, just for our viewers to understand why sure. they're calling someone and at what point. Okay. Um, kind of break it down to if you're writing a novel and you've got a pretty good idea of where it's going, but you're not sure you're pulling it off. Uh, or, you know, is the plot making sense? Do I need to add more subplots? You know, is the, do I need to, to add a romantic interest or, or what's happening here? That might be a good spot for a de developmental edit. Um, or you may have already finished the first draft, but you know it's really rough and you got some, a lot of loose ends. So a developmental editor can help you kind of organize things, uh, make sure it works from beginning to end. Uh, with you know all through the narrative arc and the character arc uh, plots and subplots are all tied together and, and all that good stuff a line edit is when you finished it you've made it as good as you can with you know your beta readers writer critique groups self-editing um, but you want it to be you know just polished and shiny and as near perfect as you can make it before you send it off to an agent or a publisher uh, or before you decide to you know, pull the trigger and self-publish. You don't want to put something out there that hasn't been, you know, fully, you know, shined up. And so a line edit is very detailed, just like it says, it's line by line, sentence by sentence, more focused on the prose and does it make sense, but also we'll look for those, um, you know, continuity issues and, you know, there's a plot line that just falls off somewhere or, you know, a character has green eyes in chapter three and, and in chapter 37, they magically turn blue. Um, and so we, we try to catch all of those things in a line edit. Uh, and then as I always tell people, once that's done and you've got it all you know, there, it still needs to be proofread uh, because during the editing process, typos can slip in. So, I'm so glad you said that because you know people think uh, sometimes, because I have so many people coming in who are often new to this. And, uh, oh, well, I ran it through Grammarly. It's fine. <laughs> I, I know you've heard that because you're laughing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, uh, Grammarly is not fine <laughs> for, you know, um, but I mean, it's good to do that. Um, I have a, it's not Grammarly, but a different software program uh, that ties to the Chicago Manual of Style uh, to look for not only spelling, grammar, punctuation, and all that, but also style points um, to make sure it matches up with 
you know, the style guide that most publishers use. Not all, but a good number of them. Um, and that is the final step. That's after proofreading. Then I run it through there and it will still catch things. Yeah, well, we humans are only so good. <laughs> but I, I also so appreciate that uh, deep dive into why you're calling now. Do you do developmental or line or proofreading or or sometimes you do all of those things? I, I have done all of those, developmental and line editing, uh, preferably. And if I've done those, I always recommend to get somebody else to do the proofread. Because if I've done you know, deep editing on it, then I can become blind to those, those little things uh, as well, just the same as the, the writer will. Uh, because your brain sees what is supposed to be there, even if it might be missing. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And I will, I will point out that as a writer, um, I have to have editors too. Uh, you can't edit your own work to that level. Right, right. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Boy, so helpful. And uh, and I see our other authors. Yup. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. No, some some huge gems that are coming out of this. And I, I always say I want when we're we're speaking together on this show, yes. We all want to be speaking to that prospective reader. We want people to buy your books. But um, additionally, 90% of the population wants to write a book. So many of those prospective readers are also writers and um, they, they wanna know more about process and what gets them in. So if we were talking to those writers and we have so many great tips going on here in this uh, episode, but if you were gonna give you know, just one, I, I threw out there to a, a sea of prospective writers. Uh, Maureen, we'll start with you. What would you say to those people to, to get them going, to inspire them, or what did you learn the hard way, let's say? Hmm. It's very hard to describe your own writing. Um, uh, and I know some of you, uh, M.M. DeVoe, you do a good job describing your own writing. Um, you know, and that usually comes later. But, um, you know, it, you have to read. You have to be a reader to know what your writing is like. You know, I, I have sort of honed in on three different, um, like I, the Western brevity of, um, of, um, Raymond Carver, because I'm from the West, but I've lived my whole life on the East Coast. So you know, that's one kind of place that I go to. Another one is Rachel Kushner's um, uh, Fearless Vibrancy. I just love that about her work. She's her character, her female characters are so strong and so out of the box. Not not crazy, but just they're willing to take on life. Full front, and then Marilyn Robinson's cosmic realism. Oh. You know, I so I do kind of a mashup. To me, it's helpful to kind of eventually get a sense of of what your writing is is like. That's fabulous, so. and I'm so glad you 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 said what you did about reading. You know, I I've uh, met people that think um, I don't have time to read because I'm a writer, and you need to be reading. <laughs> Gotta read. <laughs> yeah, no, you should definitely read. And you would be amazed how many people I meet who write and don't read. And I say the same thing. It will only help read more, you know, or people who will come to me and say, I, I was never much of a reader, but now I'm writing this novel. I think, wow, that's, 
that's a huge mm -hmm. jump right there. I'm kind of surprised. Uh, Rob, how about you? What would you what would you say to our uh, our prospective writers out there to get them started, inspire them, or perhaps something that you learned the hard way over forty years? In <laughs> um, uh, one is, I guess, is grow a thick skin. You want critique and criticism and feedback and you know just absorb it all and then you have to know which advice to take and which you know critique to ignore um but and i can't remember who said it it's not original with me some famous writer said you can't fix a blank page so <laughs> write 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 i Totally agree. The first thing you should do is read, 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 but then write, write, write. That's how you will develop your voice, how you will unleash your voice uh, that will, will eventually come out. You can fix it later. You can refine it. You can revise it. You can reorganize it, delete scenes, write a new scene, whatever. You can do that later. Uh, when the story is flowing, just let it flow. Um, and I know every writer has a different process. Uh, one that that I use, and I didn't invent this, it's just how my brain works, is just shut up and listen to your characters and let them tell the story and, and write it down. Um, then you can edit it later. Yeah, no, I, I adore you can't fix a blank page. I, I may put that on my next business cards, that's for sure. Uh, M.M. DeVoe, you are so prolific in work with writers. What would you like to say to them to get them started, to get them yeah. going, or maybe just what did you learn the hard way? So I love what both of them have said, like really behind, I stand behind you. Um, but I also, I guess I would just add that, you know, once you do have a process and you have some stuff on the page, build your community. Like I, I, I think that everybody who's watching this is already starting. Like they're reaching out, they're looking to see what there is to learn. I mean, you're, you're not the first person to have ever picked up a pen. There's a lot of wisdom out there. If you listen to Rob, you will get smart things happening. Like it's like, there's, that. and I think that, it, you know, finding your community, whether that's your writing group, whether you take a class to meet other writers, whether you go online and listen to podcasts and start following people on social media and, the, and just really interact with them. There's like the hashtags writing community. There's things like the nonprofits that like my nonprofit obviously has a community for writers who are parents, but like you can find community in lots and lots of places. Um, even just sitting in a coffee shop, like who's got the laptop that has the writer stuff on? Like who's got, you know, who's got the Dorothy Parker, on, you know? <laughs> sticker like you can you can just sort of like collect people but yeah. it is really important because I think it was Rob who said like develop a thick skin like you also need to have those people who you can go to and be like ah eighth rejection this today like <laughs> you know it's very upsetting after a while you're like okay I'm so glad you like my work but you're not publishing it <laughs> no, no, I'm so glad. It's <laughs> great that you liked it. <laughs> people think that writers are like all alone in a room by themselves. And and what you're saying about community, build those bridges, make those connections. You well, know, and also what Maureen's, I'm so sorry, but Maureen was saying that like, you know, you can't judge your own, you can't come up with these phrases. None of the phrases that I said out loud, I came up with. Like my editor came up with them. My reviewers came up with them. My friends came up with them. They're like, oh, this is like Black Mirror. You know, I'm like, 
oh, it is like Black Mirror. You're right. It's Twilight Zone. Woohoo. <laughs> and but I didn't come up with that. I just wrote all these things that don't match. <laughs> so it, it's a community effort. I very love much, that. very much. I love that. I say I'll, I'll also add that as a writer, I can't write my own marketing blurbs and copy. Yeah. Uh, or I'll write a really rough first draft, and then my editor or marketing person will turn it into something good. Clients that I've edited, they'll write something rough, and I'll fine tune it for them. <laughs> right, uh, right. But I can't do that in my own writing. It's, it's just so like, hard for us to brag about ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's amazing. And Rob, I love that you you play both sides of the fence, but not at the same time. And, you know, when you're a writer, you need an editor. And when you're an editor, you're doing it for a writer. And I, I, I love that Ooh. insight. I think that that's so cool for people to hear from you. I just want to remind all of our viewers of your books and where to find them. And for all of our viewers, um, behind these books are more books. And behind these stories are even more stories. So please do do the deep dive with each of our writers. M.M. Um, M. DeVoe is the author of A Flash of Darkness, Collected Stories. So there's a whole bunch of different things going on in there. You'll definitely want to grab a, a copy and I'll literally just leap through and see where your fingers lead you to see what you're going to open first, because it is quite uh, a cacophony of genres and ideas and things that you definitely want to dive in. Um, Maureen McNeil is the author of Anna Magdalena. Uh, grab it because the prequel is going to be coming out and because uh, for our art lovers out there, and we are all artists, um, you definitely want to meet Anna Magdalena. She is quite the character. Um, Rob Grinstaff, who I was so fortunate to meet in Launchpad, the countdown to publishing your book, where he wrote as an editor, all the things writers need to know about editing, but his own books are just so amazing as well. So you want to, uh, for our lovers of Southern fiction, grab a copy of some Rob Grinstaff, but definitely follow him because if you're a writer, you're going to want to meet him yourself. So thank you so much for joining us. And please, like I know I've mentioned, your activities, your events, your writing salons, your art shows, everything. Please make sure you share it with me so I could share it with our Between the Covers audience. Thanks thank so thank much you. for joining me. This is great. Thank you.